0: Coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fourth Ward, Atlanta. Welcome Welcome to the Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts.
1: All right, and a happy hump day to you. So let's just start with, uh, but I think the biggest localish national story right now, which is determining who it was that leaked the video testimony of. Four defendants in the Trump-Fulton County case. Well, I don't know that anybody expected this to be the case, but it turns out it was Misty Hampton's attorney. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Misty Hampton's scenario, she was the Coffee County Election Board supervisor who kind of got caught up, maybe rickrolled a little bit, uh, by some heavyweight names who wanted her to participate in what she may have <sighs> immaturely or naively, naively, let's go with naively, thought was doing the right thing. I'm going with air quotes there, by the way, just in case you were wondering. Uh, she has been indicted along with, of course, former President Donald Trump, 17 others. She was the former elections director in Coffee County. We know Coffee County. Had some visitors overnight, and that Miss Hampton sort of enabled allowed. But again, she had some heavyweight names who may have been sort of convincing her that this was the right thing to do. She was uh, in the county elections office on January 7th, 2021, when there were forensic experts from Sullivan Strickler. And she allowed them to copy software and data from the county's election equipment. That data later distributed through a file-sharing website. Sullivan Strickler has said that it was retained by attorneys to, uh, forensically, air quotes, copy voting machines used in the 2020 election. Uh, They had no reason to believe at the time that they were hired that their employees were doing anything improper. Now, Misty Hampton was also caught on surveillance video allowing a couple other folks uh, active in challenging the results of the 2020 election into the office on January 18th, 2021. The two men were there about four hours that night and more than nine hours the next day. Hampton telling the Washington Post that she opened the office to the two men because she didn't trust the results of the election either. She later resigned as the election director in February of 2021 after elections board officials said she falsified timesheets. Mm-hmm. She claimed she was pushed out because she had made a video criticizing Dominion voting machines. She was later hired to run a special election for Trutland County. And elections investigators took Trutland County's election server after learning Hampton had been hired. Not known if she allowed outside access to their server as well. But that gives you an idea who Misty Hampton is. So why did her attorney leak the audio? Well, he told Scott McAfee exactly why. And he did so as Judge McAfee considers a protective order to keep any further leaks from happening.
2: Okay, uh, Mr. Miller, on behalf of uh, Ms. Hampton. Judge, if I
0: may, um, Ms. Hampton is does not believe that an order is necessary, that this is the one of the biggest cases the country has had, and that transparency is very important. Um, since I've been working with her for the last two years, she has always said that she wanted to be one hundred percent transparent, uh, and that is why we are opposed to having any kind of regulations on our what we can expose and what we can't. But with that in mind we will adhere to any court order that the court does and we'll do so with diligence. Um, but judge in, in being transparent with the court and to make sure that, uh, nobody else gets blamed for what happened. Uh, and so that I can go to sleep well tonight, uh, judge, I, I did release those videos to one outlet. And in all candor to the court, I need the court to know that.
2: Well, I appreciate that candor, Mr. Miller. Is there anything else, though, you'd want to add in terms of, I, I, I suppose, I would lodge it as an objection to the protective order, but not a, a vigorous one, I suppose. Uh, is there anything else you'd want to add, though, you're thinking behind why you felt these proffers needed to be part of the public record? Because it feels like that should be part of the uh, analysis that I had to do of justifying a protective order.
0: Yeah, if if the court will entertain me, Judge, all four of those people that did their proffers, they stood in front of you. They did their plea. It was all recorded. It was sent out there for the world to see, and to put those proffers, hide those proffers that show all the underlying things that went into those pleas, misleads the public about what's going on. I don't believe that two of those defendants were directly related to my client and I don't believe that either one of those hurt my client if anything I believe they helped my client and the public needs to know that um, so please keep that in consideration in any order that you do.
2: and mr. Miller how would your ability to eventually get that in front of the public at a trial be foreclosed by protective order saying this shouldn't come out until it's determined to be admissible and it should come out at the trial?
0: Judge, the problem with that is that this is a very, very public trial. We all know that. How many newspaper organizations are out there right now looking at it? Um, That allows the DA's office to set the tone for the entire trial without giving consideration to the other side of the Point. And and that's what it needs protecting, Judge. And the public has a right to know.
2: Well, uh, it's a it's a good slogan, but do we have any case law that says pretrial discovery is a part of our First Amendment concerns? I know Mr. Clyde is is sitting there just waiting uh, to be teed up here on behalf of the media organizations, um, but it seems like. Uh, having open files for everyone to start litigating the case before we actually get inside of a courtroom uh, comes with a lot of side effects I don't know if we've thought through
0: uh, judge I cannot argue with that logic um, but so far as case law on these issues I, I can coach you a couple of things but but note that the state's only case law that they came up with was a case that wasn't even related to Georgia from 1993 um, there's just not a lot of Georgia law on this particular issue.
2: No, i certainly grant you that. Uh, I think we're, we're a bit unmoored here in, in Georgia on this issue, but, um, we'll, um, I'll, I'll put all those thoughts in the, uh, in the order, which I will hope to get out, uh, by tomorrow morning. Um, all right, Mr. Miller, if there's anything else you want to add, if not, I will move it on to, uh, Mr. Greenberg. Anything else, Mr. Miller?
0: Uh, No, Your Honor, I appreciate your
1: time. Now, to be clear, Misty Hampton's attorney isn't the only one to push back against this protective order that uh, Judge McAfee seems to be inclined to issue. Uh, Clyde, who works on behalf of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, along with CNN, uh, WSB, The Washington Post, and other media outlets, uh, according to Anthony Michael Kreese, who is a uh, political law professor, a political scientist um, at uh, Georgia State University, uh, tweets that uh, Clyde argues that there's no need for a protective order at all because Georgia law only allows a protective order if there's a substantial threat to witnesses' physical or economic well-being. Creese uh, continues uh, on Twitter saying, Clyde says, that the media doesn't have a right to compel the disclosure of pre-trial discovery material, but that is distinct issue from prohibiting defendants from providing information to the media if they see it necessary for their client's defense or in the public interest. This is going to be an interesting uh, situation to watch unfold. Uh, I keep going back to the OJ trial. How many of you were alive during the OJ trial? And remember just how much of that was public fodder before even the trial went live on television. And keep in mind that in a lot of federal cases, Fulton County is not federal, but in a lot of federal trials, we don't get the benefit of seeing anything streamed or broadcast live. And back in the OJ days, it was on every channel. Anyway, this is just an interesting sort of case where you find yourself thinking, hmm, Mr. Hampton's attorney may have a point. I want to go back to Anthony Michael Kreese, again, who is a a law professor, political scientist, uh, all about constitutional law and uh, American political development, follows the Supreme Court. Anyway, he's a a great Twitter follower, by the way, at Anthony M. Creese, K-R-E-I-S. He says, I'm still perplexed about the decision by Misty Hampton's attorney to release the videos. Again, not unlawful or inherently unethical but they simply don't seem to be helpful to their case at all and very damaging to their co-defendant's arguments in the court of public opinion. I happen to agree with that. I thought about that uh, as soon as I found out that it was her attorney who released the information, obviously, to uh, ABC News, who ran with it. Um, It doesn't—I don't know that—and again, I kind of take the the premise that maybe Missy's going to play the, oh, I was just a simple Southern— small town county clerk ma'am your honor i just i didn't know and and when when i get phone calls from a rudy giuliani or from the white house well i just felt compelled to do what i was told to do because i'm a patriot you know that's that's the only thing i can think or maybe there's the other route of tainting the jury pool the problem is well first of all jury selection began in october I don't know where they are on that, but it began in October. It's already going to be hard to find an impartial jury anyway, whether it be Fulton County, whether it be, and remember they, uh, in a lot of these defendants, they wanted to uh, kick this out of Fulton County and go with a little bit of a more regional approach. It's going to be hard anywhere in these United States to seat an impartial jury of 12 to hash these cases out. I guess the thing that kind of perplexes me, makes me scratch my head a little bit, is to say... Why wasn't there already a protective order in place in the first place? This is such a huge, publicly watched, every waking moment case. Everything about this case is going to be hyper-scrutinized and should have all been on lockdown from the jump. But I am no attorney. <laughs> I am no constitutional Political scientist or lawyer or law professor or any of that. So I'm just kind of spitballing here with the rest of you. Ooh, and speaking to breaking news in ABC, ABC broke the story uh, earlier this afternoon that the two election workers, Ruby Freeman and uh, Shea Moss, are going to seek $15 million or anywhere from 15 to $43 million from Rudy Giuliani in a defamation trial. <sighs> Ladies, you're not going to see any of that money because he doesn't have it. He is Baroque. Now keep in mind, and I'm quoting from the ABC News article here, that a federal judge has already found Giuliani liable for defamatory comments he made about the two in the wake of the 2020 elections, including unfounded claims that they fraudulently manipulated ballots on election day in front of cameras at State Farm Arena. Don't get me wrong, I believe they deserve every penny. I just don't know how they squeeze blood out of that turnip. Yet another court case we get to follow over the next few months. More of the Ron Show after this on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Wednesday Ron Show. It appears as we head into the weekend before Thanksgiving that we are going to manage to avoid a government shutdown. All right, good. I mean, that's fantastic. Seriously, Uh, when you think about it, you you can't have TSA off the clock or not getting paid. I mean, they're already surly enough at the uh, Hartsfield Atlanta airport, right? Um... (laughs) But you can't have the busiest traveling holiday on the calendar, maybe before Christmas. You can't have that with unpaid TSA agents or mm, TSA agents not showing up for work, right? So, I mean, congrats on Congress. I say the House right now getting that accomplished. But I have to say, I'm a little bothered by how the national media frames the narrative. Let me give a hat tip uh credit here to the iGen Politics podcast co-host Victor Shi for what I thought was a pretty spot on tweet from just the day before where he says please stop saying House Republicans passed the government funding bill. Let me reread that to you cuz I want this to sink in. Please stop saying House Republicans passed the government funding bill. He needs to tell this to national media because the Speaker of the House And his party are getting credit for that. And only half of that is true. That's right. I'm going to give the speaker some credit here. Victor Shee continues by saying they did not. Only 127 Republicans voted to fund the government. 209 Democrats had to step in and save Republicans' bill from failing. The correct headline should be Democrats Save Republican Funding Bill Again. And while we're at this, Didn't House Speaker Mike Johnson just do, to get that bill across, exactly what Kevin McCarthy did that led to Kevin McCarthy losing the House Speakership? Interesting. Also interesting slash delicious that it appears that one Marjorie Taylor Greene, empty G, I call her, uh, missed out on all those Schoolhouse Rock shorts we were watching When we were watching cartoons uh, Saturday mornings on ABC, while we were watching, what, Hanna-Barbera stuff. Yeah, so she thought she was going to be cute and call out Representative Rosa DeLauro from the 3rd District of Connecticut. Marjorie got more than she bargained for.
3: Thank you, Mrs. Chair. Uh, my Democrat colleague across the aisle, who's 80 years old and has been here over 30 years, just said we're on the verge of a shutdown. Uh, she probably just forgot that a few hours ago she voted for the continuing resolution uh, that will extend the budget, and we are not on the verge of a shutdown. So I just wanted to note that for the record. It may be that the gentlelady lady doesn't know mm-hmm. that there is another body attached to the U.S. Congress called the United States Senate, mm-hmm. and they have to vote on the continuing resolution. Mm. And when they vote on it, we'll find out what it is that they do with regard yeah. to this continuing resolution passed by the House, Uh-oh. which, quite frankly, is flawed to a fare thee well. Flawed to a fare thee well in meeting our obligations, both domestic and international. And by the way, mm. it isn't a law of the land or until the president of the United States signs it. That may be a basic level, in, a lesson in civics. There is the House, there is the Senate, and there is the president.
1: Seriously, how did Marjorie Taylor Greene not catch
4: this when she was a kid? I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Well, it's a long, long journey to the capital city. It's a long, long wait while I'm sitting in committee. But I know I'll be a law someday, at least. I hope and pray that I will. But today I am still just a bill. Okay, so a lot of this
1: doesn't really apply to the continuing resolution, which funds the government to just kind of skip ahead a little bit and get right to the meat and potatoes. The part that Marjorie Taylor Greene really needed to pay attention to because she seems to be completely unaware of the process beyond the House of Representatives voting on that continuing resolution. Right, here we go. Oh,
4: but it looks like I'm going to live. Now I go to the House of Representatives and they vote on me. If they vote yeah. yes, what happens? Then I go to the Senate and the whole thing starts all over again. Oh, no. Oh, yes! I'm just a bill, yes, I'm only a bill And if they vote for me on Capitol Hill Well, then I'm off to the White House Where I'll wait in a line With a lot of other bills For the president to sign And if he signs me, then I'll be alone I hope and pray that he will But today I am still just a bill
1: Okay, we can skip past the whole veto part because obviously President Biden isn't going to veto this continuing resolution.
4: It's not easy to become a law, is it? No.
1: But how I hope and pray that I will,
4: but today I am still just a bill. He signed your bill,
1: now you're a law. Oh, yes! Seriously, how did Marjorie Taylor Greene not catch that while sitting in her PJs watching Hanna-Barbera with a giant bowl of sugary cereal? like the rest of us allegedly were back then. I mean, did she instead go out with her Red Rider BB gun? where She didn't shoot her eye out. And start wreaking havoc on kittens and puppies and squirrels or something? What, what was she doing back then when little evil Marjorie Taylor Greene was just little Marjorie Taylor and obviously was skipping out on Schoolhouse Rock? And maybe I should go easy on Marjorie Taylor Greene. She had a rough week. She didn't get her impeachment against Mayorkas through when (laughs) eight Republicans said, yo, lady, that's kind of crazy. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing. But she also lost a court case where a federal judge uh, said, no, ma'am, when she requested to have an upstate New York fella convicted of sending her threatening voicemails, she wanted that man to pay her back $65,000 for her Georgia Homes security fence background on this. Uh, Joe Morelli uh, pled guilty in February to threatening uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, with voicemails back in 2022 at her Washington office. Uh, so he got three months in prison. The uh, resident said, I'm going to harm you, and then threatened to pay someone 500 bucks to take a baseball bat and crack your skull. And so, because she got that crazy voicemail, and really, is she the only one in Washington getting crazy voicemails? I mean, did she was she not literally outside AOC's door, harassing
3: her? Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I'm an American citizen. I pay your salary through the taxes that you collect from me through the IRS. I'm a woman, I'm a female business owner, and I'm proud to be an American woman. And I do not support your socialist policies. If you want to be a big girl, you need to get rid of your diaper and come out and be able to talk to the American citizens, instead of us having to use a flap, a little flap.
1: Did AOC put up an electric fence around her yard and then send the tab to Marjorie Taylor Greene? Anyway, the judge says, yo, lady, that's crazy. He's crazy, but that's crazy. <sighs> All right, back in a sec. We have more Ron show after this on the American One Radio app, com, or wherever you podcast.
0: Broadcasting five days a week to make common sense common again. This This is The Ron Show on America One Radio.
3: All right, so I have
1: done about all I can in my limited little capacity here. I get 44 minutes a day, five days a week. And I can't talk exclusively about the Cop City Saga. But I feel like while I was probably a few months behind on getting on that story, like come January, I was fully involved. I'm fully involved in seeing to it. That sense is made that cooler heads prevail. That there is a, a modicum of compromise. And and listen, I, I won't pretend in any way, shape, form, or fashion that the city of Atlanta or Mayor Dickens or the Atlanta Police Foundation are even trying. Like literally, I don't. I, th- I think that their efforts have been marginal at best and more a facade than anything. These citizen review committees, where all of this input is taken and then. Largely ignored while there seems to be a coordinated effort, not just with government officials uh, inside the city of Atlanta and the Cab County government as well, uh, save for a commissioner or two uh, and a councilman councilwoman or two in the city of Atlanta, but also within the police foundation, the corporate structure here in the city of Atlanta, and even judicially speaking. So the South River Watershed Alliance had filed a lawsuit... Because they believe that there's damage being done to the watershed. That's what they're there to protect. Now, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution today, uh, U.S. District Judge uh, J.P. Boule or is it, it Bouley I'm going to go Boule I live in Louisiana. Let's go there. Uh, didn't rule on Wednesday, but indicated that the environmental group's lawsuit against Atlanta and the Police Foundation is a misguided attack on the permit issued for the development by the Georgia Environmental Protection Division the city had found the city and foundation appeared to be in full compliance with the permit first issued in 2018 and recently renewed according to the judge i would say that there's overhead drone photos taken that show you the murky conditions of retention pond water and runoff into the south river would disagree but nonetheless anyway i i I posit myself in saying that I have tried to be uh, a a media option for the stop cop city, block cop city folks who don't find a whole lot of oxygen outside of uh, the Atlanta community, uh, press collective. And we we had Matt Scott on yesterday. Uh, and of course on social media, they're not, they don't find a, a whole lot of, openness and transparency when it comes from uh, television, uh, uh, talk radio, you can forget about it in Atlanta. It's all conservative. Whether you're on uh, 106, whatever, 1061 or 106.3 or uh, on uh, uh, 99.5 or 95.5 and uh, 7.50 a.m., you're just not going to get that. So here's though, where I have to go, okay, you know what? I cannot abide by this. I even have to do a finger wag here, okay? So in the same article, written by Carolyn Silva, uh, Rosie Mannins, and Joseph Papp at the AJC, activists opposed to Atlanta's planned fire and police training center have claimed responsibility for a fire that burned multiple vehicles at a concrete business in Gwinnett County Tuesday morning. Twelve cement trucks were destroyed in the last 48 hours. They burned them to a crisp, says Simon Bloom, an attorney for the Atlanta Police Foundation. During legal arguments over an attempt by the South River Watershed Alliance to halt construction at the training center site, claiming harmful sediment is entering nearby Entrenchment Creek. All right, I don't know why I brought it up then, but it doesn't—it it doesn't aid the the South River Watershed Alliance case, and it doesn't—it doesn't aid those behind the movement as well. It just doesn't. Uh, scrolling down, firefighters responded to the 500 block of Seaboard Industrial Drive around 2.40 a.m. Tuesday and found work vehicles owned by Ernst Concrete burning behind the business. Gwinnett Fire Spokesman Captain Ryan McGibney said, the flames did not reach any of the structures, but officials said crews had to deploy several hoses to battle the fire, which was extinguished shortly before 3.10 a.m. McGiboney re- Confirmed that the department is aware that activists had claimed responsibility but said authorities are still investigating all possible suspects. No injuries were reported. Back to the article, an online post titled, Make Contractors Afraid Again. See, I cannot, I I can't endorse this, man. Anyway, the post said in part, We placed incendiary devices and kindling near the engine block, the fuel tank behind it, and the double rear tires. We encouraged... Further experimentation with incendiary placement, post including details about Ernst facilities throughout the country. And this is where the Atlanta Police Foundation gets their case aided by this sort of activity. Vice President Rob Baskin with the APF said, this gives credence to the notion that at least aspects of the protesters are willing to resort to violence, are willing to resort to criminal activity, and it gives credence to some of the RICO charges that have been filed. See, I'm telling you, this doesn't help. Sam Beard, further in the article, Sam Beard is a spokesperson for Block Cop City, which organized the weekend events in Monday's March. And he said, the Clean Water Act enforcement lawsuit and the anonymous action that took place against the Ernst Concrete are separate, inspiring contributions to the movement to stop Cop City. Neither the lawsuit nor action have any connection to the block cop city mobilization, but all are contributing to the same important goal. He said, I don't like that either, man. I just, to me, it doesn't, it doesn't aid the case. I I just don't see the gain in that. And, and I, and listen, public sentiment is important, right? You spend a, a summer or a good half of the summer, uh, getting folks on the streets, to sign petitions, and I, I'm listen. I signed it. I fully stand behind that. Uh, dox me. I don't care. Um, I fully stand behind that, and and I want the city of Atlanta's voters to weigh in on this. Uh, I believe this is an important enough subject, and I also think that I've said this before. I think one of the one of the ways that the Stop Cop City movement could aid themselves is in not being in an all or nothing scenario. And, and I get it. You want you want to protect the forest, uh, the, the the South River Watershed, Entrenchment Creek. That park was supposed to be or that that plot of land was supposed to be for park. And and I get it. I totally get it. I'm just saying that, as I've said many times before on this program, there have to be alternative options. There have to be alternative options. And it is troubling on a national level. Don't get me wrong. That we have these. Militarized police training facilities popping up throughout the country. Hell, we have uh, what? We have two. Is it Henry County, and there was another county somewhere in Metro Atlanta that that wanted to to have their own. Henry County definitely wants to have their own. You had a couple of cities that are looking to have their own. Uh, you've got Fulton County wanted to build one of their own, and then the City of Atlanta wants to build one that uh, the the money that they're going to spend would would pay for all of the other ones I just mentioned to begin with. It is. And by the way, there's a state facility in was it Jackson, Georgia, like an hour from here already, that law enforcement agencies can send their police to for training. It, it's troubling, especially when you consider that here we had a protest and a march, and what were they met with? They were met with tear gas canisters, cops in riot gear, and flashbang grenades. Y'all, that's just not how you not how you handle. <laughs> a protest when the protesters are inferring that you are looking to militarize and and treat your citizens like wild animals. And listen, I get that this entire movement is kind of like an occupy Wall Street thing where there is no one figurehead and there's uh, a bit of a loose organization if 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 you can call it that and it's very organic. I mean I get all that. It's 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 fantastic that way. But there also has to be some sort of admonishment when folks overstep. And again, I just, I just read a spokesperson for block cup city who didn't admonish destruction of personal property. I mean, you have contractors. Ernst took a job. Like, am I happy that they're putting curbing and and laying asphalt if they're doing that yet uh, on the facility? No, I'm not happy about that at all, but they're just hired to do a job. And I, when, when you use language like, was it make contractors? What was it? Let me go back and read that again. It was make contractors afraid again. Okay, F- making people fear is almost literally the definition of terrorism. Do you want to be treated like citizens with a rational pushback against something uh, that you want to be handled in a democratic fashion? Or do you want to be treated like terrorists? And I get it. I I realize it's a it's a minority, and, and there could be some rogue. But if it's if it's just a rogue faction, a small handful that you gain no control over, your spokespeople at least have to come out and say well, we don't endorse that. That that uh, that doesn't as I am that doesn't embolden our case. It doesn't strengthen our argument. That we 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 will we will not abide by that we understand people are passionate something along the lines of so we understand people are passionate but that's carrying things too far what if someone got hurt what if someone within the movement who did this got hurt what if there were and you know in a lot of cases you have uh, these uh, these equipment yards and and they have yard dogs right what if a dog got hurt or killed we've already lost life in the woods what i don't i just can't abide by that and if that makes somebody within the Stop Cop City or block block Cop City movement angry at me. You just can't have to be angry at me. I just cannot abide by this. And bear in mind, again, I'm going back to the AJC article. AJC, by the way, owned by Cox Media, and Cox Media's uh, family of uh, companies, whatever, has donated to, to the Atlanta Police Foundation. Uh, so, you know, say, think of it what you will, but let's keep in mind. Uh, they write here, uh, last year the home of an Alabama construction executive was vandalized after activists, vowed to use extreme and sometimes violent tactics to pressure those linked to the facility. Authorities have also investigated incidents, including the vandalizing of offices, destruction of equipment, and threats to contractors. Earlier uh, this year, several motorcycles were torched at the Atlanta Police Training Academy. None of this aids the argument, man. I mean, listen to what the mayor, Andre Dickens, had to say about these very people. These people who committed this violence, whoever they may be, are not peaceful dissenters. He's not wrong. These are the actions of blatantly outrageous, dangerous, and violent criminals. When you engage in violence, you put others in harm's way. We will not allow any anyone to do that in our city without repercussions. By the way, do I also need to mention that we, we are in this extreme fire hazard wildfire thing right now because we haven't had a whole lot of rain in the area in a long time. There's a, there's a, there's a a fire, I believe a a wildfire going on. Uh, Hang on. Let me look it up. Oh, here it is. Uh, the Alatoona Lake shoreline And, and this is wildfire season anyway, you know, leaves are all over the place and they're mostly dry. Because we haven't had a lottery, so I mean that just that that doubly dangers the scenario. By the way, there are homes not far from this block of Seaboard Industrial in Lawrenceville. It's just irresponsible. Let's throw on top of that that. By the way, we just had a huge apartment fire in Atlanta, so we know that there is a danger in lighting something on fire within proximity of other people's belongings, other than. Ernst Concrete, who, again, are just hired to do a job, man. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying you've lost me on the plight to get uh, the referendum on the ballot in March or any of that. Because I, I I, firmly believe that that's something that should happen. Uh, I'm a little concerned when, when I see uh, polling. What was it the governor had done some polling here recently that showed? Oh, hang on. I got it here for you. Uh, some 60% of Georgians. I ah, forget about them. Don't care about them. Uh, majority of voters in uh, DeKalb County, fifty-four percent, and within uh, uh, Nickema Williams congressional district, fifty-four percent. Eh, then again, you know, you know who knows? It's polling versus who shows up. And in a primary ballot, there's only going to be so many people that show up in March, anyway. So this could be something that you know you're able to drive folks to 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 the polls to vote in your favor, and yet you you can't have people. Uh, using tactics of intimidation, I call it terrorism because that's exactly what you said you wanted it to be. You wanted to make contractors afraid. That's terrorism by definition. I'm just saying there there are better ways to to do this, and and I, I don't I just don't think I just don't think lighting construction equipment on fire uh, potentially causing you know the spread of a of a fire. Uh, in an industrial area where there are homes actually nearby as well, is the way to go about it. I get it. It's you against the world. The media is not on your side. Uh, you can't seem to to sway a city council or the mayor with hundreds of people coming to speak out against this facility. You've got a judge who seems to not be taking any interest in in seeing what. Uh, folks who are looking to protect uh, the, the, the water, uh, Entrenchment Creek watershed, uh, I get it. You're frustrated. And there's all this legal wrangling with the ballots and you're starting to hear word of, well, we may not have had enough uh, actual signatures, you know, without actually anybody, you know, diving into verifying the ballots. I get it, man. You're frustrated. I'm frustrated too. I totally get it. But you don't see me looking to light some on fire. I'm sorry. And I I, I, I know I'm just going off on a tantrum here. It's just frustrating when you've got a handful of 'er ne'er-do-wells ruining the hard work and the countless hours that volunteers, hundreds, if not thousands of volunteers have been busting their asses to get a referendum on the ballot to sway voters to see things their way. And I think the case can be made. I'm trying to make the case. Work with Fulton County save some money and, and, and put in one facility instead of us having two and then three and four and then five in metro Atlanta all within an hour's drive of the one that the state already we can make the case without you blowing up shit. more on show after this on the American Radio app americanradio.com wherever you podcast final segment of the Ron show for Wednesday and I feel like that teacher that just blessed out our entire class knowing full well that like 32 of the 33 students in the classroom are well behaved students I'm sorry. I know know my audience wouldn't be torching construction vehicles in the middle of the night. I know y'all wouldn't do that. It's just frustrating. You get it? And listen, I I know you can point to historical significance. Well, you know, the Boston Tea Party, there was destruction and damage, there was vandalism, blah, blah. Eh. Dumping tea over the harbor wasn't actually destroying the boats. And it didn't have the potential of causing... A fire from getting out of control and taking out blocks of homes. We've Not seen enough of that in the news. Not just in the last week or so here in Atlanta, but Hawaii come to mind. Uh, okay, so you know what? I really want to talk about this uh, accident that claimed the life of a cruise ship passenger who was taking one of those excursions in the Bahamas. But this just came down here uh, about 45 minutes ago tomorrow Hollerman at the AJC reporting that Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis is asking a judge to revoke the bond agreement for Harrison Floyd, saying that he has engaged in numerous intentional and flagrant violations of his bond agreement. She pointed to recent comments that Harrison Floyd made on conservative podcasts and posts on the social media site X, we call it Twitter, uh, that tax secretary of state Brad Raffensperger, former Fulton County poll worker Ruby Freeman, and others. Did, did we not just talk about how Ruby Freeman is coming for some money, Harrison? Dude, the defendant's actions demonstrate that he possesses a significant threat of intimidating witnesses and otherwise obstructing the administration of justice in the future, making him ineligible for bond. Funny Willis wrote in a court filing early or late this afternoon. If Fulton Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee agrees, Floyd would be forced to return to jail as he awaits trial. It was not clear when McAfee would schedule a hearing on the matter. Harrison Floyd's two attorneys did not immediately respond to phone calls seeking comment. Okay, now let's get to the TMZ thing. Uh, TMZ reporting tragedy struck as a ferry carrying cruise ship passengers. Y'all, I do these excursions all the time when I go on cruises. I'm not going to the Bahamas anymore. I've been to the Bahamas like, I feel like a dozen times I'm over it. I mean, if you've never been on a cruise, go by all means, go Bimini's kind of cool. You've got to kind of get off the beaten path and enjoy Bimini, but whatever. Um, a ferry carrying cruise ship passengers to blue Lagoon Island in the Bahamas began to sink in choppy waters, ultimately claiming the life of an elderly American woman. Did I mention I'm turning 50 in February? That's not elderly, right? Uh, Terrifying footage, TMZ reports, caught on camera shows, panic-stricken passengers clinging onto the two-decker for dear life Tuesday as it perilously tilted to one side, with some people appearing to have fallen to one side of the lopsided vessel. See, I'm sorry. If the water was choppy and you knew that, getting on the boat, hmm, In harrowing scenes, TMZ writes, tourists were also seen plunging into the turbulent ocean to get away from the sinking ferry, and police say that led to the death of a 75-year-old woman from Colorado. The woman's name hasn't been released, uh, nor uh, has her cause of death. In a TikTok shared soon after the disaster, fellow American tourist Kelly Schissel rehashed the event, saying it was only when a bawling crew member ran up on deck for a life jacket they realized something was amiss. In fact, crew members were in such hysterics that they couldn't instruct passengers on what to do. But Kelly said they all managed to put on their life jackets and move to the boat's top level.
5: Wow! So we were on the two-tiered ferry to Blue Lagoon. Um, we were almost there. As many of you like to say, we were so close to shore. We weren't actually that close. It just kind of looked like that in the video. But um, we started to like sla- stop and like turn to go into the like Blue Lagoon area, and we kind of I kind of thought like the captain was trying to be silly and like whip a shitty because we all kind of went forward and the water kind of splashed up, mm. which the water was kind of splashing anyway. It was kind of a little bumpy ride and. Then, all of a sudden, we stayed leaning forward, and so we just thought, okay, he's waiting his turn, or maybe just got to get it back to normal. Mm. Then, all of a sudden, you kind of hear people kind of freaking out a little bit. And at first, us on the top deck at least, we were just like, what's going on? And then that's when I started kind of looking over the um, the edge, and you could see that there was water coming into the boat and oh, wow. we were starting to like the we were staying lean forward just because we were starting to sink and that's and then one of the crew members that was downstairs ran upstairs and was crying freaking out absolutely bawling oh, wow. grabbing a life jacket and then that's when everybody's like oh shit, this is real yeah. something's happening <laughs> you wonder why people didn't jump in right away we were kind of waiting for the staff to tell us what to do Right. Which they never did because they were too busy crying and freaking out. Or as you've seen, one guy was on his phone. Mm-hmm. I wasn't on the bottom floor, but I also heard that the the captain driving it was like laughing because I think he was kind of showing off. Like I said, I thought he was trying to whip the butt end around, and I just don't think it worked out the way he wanted it to. Then once we realized we were starting to sink oh. and we saw the water coming in, people were screaming, people, people are freaking out. We all got our life jackets on. Yeah. At the time there was like maybe a boat nearby. Again, we were waiting for the staff to direct us on what to do and they didn't. So once we got to the point that one guy jumped in and everybody else is like, we might as well do the same thing. So we all jump in Uh and it was actually pretty rough waves. So a lot of people, they were just trying to stay above water even with their life vests on. Yes, it was warm, yes, it was nice weather, yes, the water wasn't bad, but it was very wavy, so it was not as easy as it may have looked. I kind of just turned on my back and had the life vest on, so I would backstroke and go with the waves to a boat. But I'm a good swimmer, I understand that's just kind of how what you have to do, but not everybody else knows that. Um, then I get on a boat, everybody, we're trying to get other people, try to direct them how to get to other boats. The lifeguards got called out and a bunch of other rescue boats started coming out. But at the time, there was only, like, maybe one or two. And, like, I got on a fisherman's boat that had nothing to do with it. He was just driving by, saw it out of the corner of his eye, and came back around. Um, The lady who died on the boat, she did make it to land, happened afterwards.
1: No more excursions for me. That's going to do it for The Ron Show. Back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. on the American Radio app, AmericanRadio.com,
3: or review podcast show notes, ronshowatl.com. See you then.